Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, what is up, people of the internet? Welcome back to another episode, a special episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. I'm Andrew. And I'm David. And uh, big week. A lot of stuff happened this week. Multiple videos, lots of hardware and software to talk about because we had an event. And now we're here to give our true, honest thoughts and talk about all the news. Where do we start? Well, Final Cut is on the iPad. <laughs> Final Cut. So, is true? Is that an, I missed that today. This yeah, I missed it right before the day before Google I.O. And um, yeah, two days before, maybe? I don't know. It felt kind of like trolling. It was yeah. on purpose. It had to have been on purpose. It had to have been on purpose. I, I think that actually the sentiment from that was like, number one, finally. But number two, WWDC must be it's pretty a, packed. Yeah. They had to like move sure. some stuff out of it. I was surprised that they didn't drop it during the I.O. keynote. To that take away been, a bunch that of That would have been too obvious, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Companies <laughs> do that to each other all the time. Yeah. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've but seen yeah, no, we, have, we got a lot of Google stuff to We get do. To. Yeah, yeah, we have a, a ton of AI. Like you said, there's stuff that got announced. Um, but I have one question I want to pose to everyone in this room. Oh, no. About I.O. And I think yeah. it's the most important question. <laughs> Is Are the birds real? <laughs> are they? In general? The birds? The, like... <laughs> In that theater, there's so many birds chirping, and you see one or two, but it feels yeah. There's like a there's hawk eagle, screaming at some point. Screaming. I think it's fake. It so it is an amphitheater. <laughs> yeah, it's outside. outside. So any noise that happens just gets amplified. There's too many. It, it was loud. It was loud. Does yeah. I think it was so. Real. You think they're, they're all real. real? You think every bird chirp is real? You still believe in birds? <laughs> <laughs> real um, fake? I think, I think they were real. I really like 50 50 hybrid. The eagle screaming, I thought, was really cool. True. I think Adam found the hawk, yeah. like, you in know, this, like funny? dead tree, like swaying. You know the song Blackbird by the Beatles? Mm, I'm going to say yes, just so I don't get roasted in the comments. Okay. Well, they, they pump in sounds of like birds chirping and i played that in the car the other day to someone who didn't know the song and they started looking around i was like what are you doing and he was like where are those bird sounds coming from i was like it's in the song <laughs> so maybe they were doing that then in the, in the amplifier I, too i think it's a little i think it's a little both it's if you like if you sign. set this up or maybe they tell us about the fake the birds, birds. <laughs> yeah yeah no we did get we did have a lot of things happening but let's just 
I kind of want to start with the, should we start hardware or software? There's so much to talk about. So- software? They started software, yeah. To we- make sure everyone listens to the whole podcast. Okay, okay, fair. Because we did we did make videos covering some of the hardware and that's out. But let's start mm-hmm. with some of the software stuff because it's actually a little bit more fascinating what's going on. We knew that there would be AI talk. Like <laughs> when ChatGPT took over for the year and Bard came out and was behind and all these narratives start coming out that Google is a little bit slacking in the AI department. We kind of knew that Google would have to make a statement about AI. They made many, many statements about AI. And I kind of feel like the theme of previous IOs to me was always like, yeah, we're an AI company and we have lots of AI research projects, but that's just what they are. It's just research projects. And they'll get kind of spoon fed a little bit into the products we give to you, but not really. Yeah. And so there'd be cool stuff that we'd see, like these crazy AI features and like chatbot demos, even demoed on stage at Google I.O. and then they'd never come out. And so this I.O. felt like now we're going to take all of that stuff. Turns out you guys wanted it. So we're putting it into <laughs> products that you actually use and you'll interface with AI all over the place throughout all Google software products. So that was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, Big I wanna, mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, the, the, the top three that were sort of the like kicking off the event Mm -hmm. was Gmail, Google Maps, Google Photos. Mm -hmm. So Gmail literally has a feature now called Help Me Write. Not now, I think it's coming soon, but these are all things that are coming to things we use where you literally hit a button and fill out a little prompt and it just drops an email draft into your like outbox and you can just edit it or send it as it is. It'll just write an email for you. Yeah. Sick. That's what we've been using it for anyway. <laughs> yeah. But everyone uses Gmail. So now instead of using ChatGPT to write email and copying and pasting it, it's just whatever Google can do with their new large language model. Boom. I think one thing I really liked that about that Gmail example they used. So the example they used was you were on a flight, it got canceled. Please write an email for me to get the voucher to get <laughs> like refunded for this. And like it can use references to other things, whether it like confirmation numbers inside of your email to yep. know like I need a refund or a voucher for X flight number. Yeah. And it's pulling that into it. Yep. You can so, also have it elaborate to make it more convincing or less convincing. Yeah. I think the example they used was like a voucher is what you normally get, but I think that I should have a full refund on this. So like make me explain or like make it explain or try and convince these people to give me a little extra yep. on there. Yeah. So that was like, Right off the bat, it'll write emails for you. AI, boom. Okay, great. Another one was Google Maps. Um, there are some interesting features like uh, immersive route preview in certain cities, which was sort of going, doing this overhead view of mapping out where you're going to drive with uh, AI that can tell you what the weather is going to be at that hour and sort of like previewing it. It's not really AI. This Okay, yeah. Yeah, we were talking, because Andrew and I sat next to each other. Mm-hmm. We, we were talking about this in the booth, but this is what, you know how like a couple of years ago, Everyone would just say that everything was AI powered all the time. I mean, they still do that. They still do. Oh, yeah. They still do that. But now it actually has some meaning. In mm-hmm. the in the past, it was like this is automated in some way or something like that. The f- maps feature, I didn't really understand where there was actual AI happening. Yeah, we. Uh, I, it is funny. David and I sat next to each other. You're in a different booth, so I'm now mm-hmm. realizing a lot of this conversation David and I probably booth. had already. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm interested in what you think. But I'm glad you said that we. Yeah, no, I think because it's AI everywhere, we expect everything to be AI. But yeah. now that I think about it, that maps feature was just like a cool maps feature. It was just a cool maps. Feature. It was. Re- I don't want to take away from it. it was that cool. was really. Cool. It was very yeah. cool. It basically was like it showed an example. I think it's coming to 15 cities of if you took like a bike bike path down by the water, it would do this cool like 
3D, almost drone-like bird's eye like overview, go through it. And And show cars moving and stuff. Show cars moving. I'm assuming that's what the AI AI is. is Like Like the traffic data. It's like this is traffic is heavy, uh, so add more cars. Yeah, and then weather is cloudy or rainy. It made it look rainy. Still a stretch. It's a stretch, I think, for AI. It's basically like using the most minimal data points good to software. like put it into a visual representation but yeah i think that they were they're kind of just doing that to compete with apple maps because apple maps mm-hmm. dropped the super immersive city thing like last year i was wondering if people actually use that i guess it was enough for google to decide to work on it it's enough cities i, I mean the google maps team needs something to do i guess right there <laughs> when i thought of it i was like this is really cool this is a really cool demo people are gonna see this freak out about it show it to their friends and then just plan their route any other <laughs> yeah, any normal yeah, way right you're just adding to the core feature but yeah it's that's coming to 15 cities by the end of the year mm. yeah. which is very cool if we can show it on screen if you're watching i guess the only one we know about we can assume new york city just yeah that's what they showed the example yeah. and san francisco okay. yeah so that's gmail that's google maps google photos one though this is where it starts to get into the crazy like real quick like five minutes into the keynote yeah so right off the bat we've seen magic eraser which is there's something in the background, you kind of circle it and it will just nuke it from the background of your photo and use AI to fill in what was supposed to be there. That's cool and it works on the Pixel and Google Photos. There's this new additional version of it now, which is going to be called Magic Editor, Yeah. which will do way more smart, selective AI edits. And they're powerful enough that I literally just tweeted, what is a photo in the middle of the scene? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> so they had year. a photo of like a kid sitting on a bench and they're like, oh, you wanted him to be closer to the middle of the photo? Just highlight the kid on the bench and slide him over. Yeah. He's got balloons. We'll just make more balloons to fill in where he was Because that was to be. cool because the balloons were slightly off frame. They were yeah. cut out. And they were like, we want it to be fully in right. frame in the center. So he just slides the kid on the bench and the balloons over. Just draws and the fills rest of the balloons. And it balloons. makes the bench longer. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Photoshop has had this feature for a while, for a while called Content to Works Expand, I believe. Mm-hmm. But yes. this is like, it looked better and a lot faster. This is just and UI. To me, it's like, yes, we've had content-aware fill, content-aware expand, but you have to know how to use it in Photoshop. Right. Where using this on your phone in Google Photos is going to be people going select, drag, done. Yeah. And that sort of powerful UI where it actually works well is the difference, which is why I think it's so cool. Uh Uh-huh. There's also a thing about like change. Oh, the sky is cloudy, but we want it to look Mm -hmm. sunny. All right, just select the sky. All right, it's sunny now. Yeah. Just like, oh, we want it to be lit better. Let's just like just make it all like look nice. <laughs> we'll take the, a backpack uh, off, all this stuff. It's the ultimate what is a photo. Like yeah. I know Google has been really pushing trying to get people to edit in Google Photos more. And that's why they always release these ML features on Pixels first. And then eventually it's not just on it's not on your phone at all. It's in Google Photos and then they do it on the server side. Mm. Yeah. So they do all that processing on the tensor processors and their data centers and not actually on your phone. So, yeah, it's it's getting kind of crazy. Um, yeah. They, like, completely changed some of the pictures that they took. Yeah. The, the one they were talking about, it was a woman in front of a waterfall. Yeah. And I think it was, like, first, it was cloudy. Let's make it, let's brighten it up. She was wearing a shoulder strap. Let's take away the shoulder strap. She had her hand out to look like the water was falling on her hand, but she was out of the way, so she moved it over a little bit. I, I turned to David, and I was like, the next thing they're just gonna say she was in her living room and the waterfall <laughs> is like completely fake in the background. It, yeah. They did so many changes to it yeah. and it's it's really awesome. The way I think about it is like 
you try and teach significant others or like family members who don't take photos how to frame things properly. Now they can take that garbage photo and I can fix every single <laughs> yeah, part of it and make it look framed correctly. They'll think you're a god. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. I, how do they not do fences yet? I know. The chain <laughs> the, link fence. The chain link fence. Needs the chain link I needed thing. a reference to that and they didn't deliver. It's like years old. When, yeah. when we review this, I think that needs to be our first test subject. <laughs> just, is chain link just draw over every single link in the chain the link thing, fence. The problem is that like that's most of the image, right? Like I can see how that was a hard technical problem. And they first announced that in like 2017 or 2018. Yeah. I think it was 2017 that they I announced that. I think it that. was. It was one of the ones I was at, which was 17 or 18. And they just but, scrapped it. Yeah. The thing is, is it's most of the image, but there are little tiny lines. Like if you can replicate yeah. four brand new balloons, you can right. take a little line out of something. They had a really cool animation when they were doing content where expand yeah. where everything turned into like yeah. magical confetti pixels. I highly doubt that will be in the actual production the model. The print so? said I, that the UI is subject to oh, change. True. And yeah. I think that they're just saying it's probably not going to look this amazing. Yeah. It's just going to like highlight and disappear and reappear probably. Yeah. That looked really cool, though. It did. It, it looked, looked like really Inception, cool. basically. Yeah, yeah. The one yeah. thing I was interested about that, though, is all of it is based on drawing out the thing you want fixed, correct? Mm -hmm. They didn't do a great job of explaining that. But so in that sense, if I'm going to draw out the sky, how does it know I want clearer sky or sunnier? Or like, is it just making that yeah. assumption on that there? That might be missing UI, too. I, I assume you. Okay. you highlight the sky and instead of it just going, oh, you want enhanced sky, it's sunny now. I think there should be a little dialogue sky box yeah, yeah, like you do. There yeah. should, which could lead to some really cool things. Think about like Luminar AI. Like That's why, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I want a rocket ship going through the sky yeah, in the background. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, well, the object detection, I mean, is getting really good, kind of like how in iOS you have the built-in touch and hold and it selects yeah. the object. That's basically what they're doing in here, too. In just a way more useful manner yeah. than just yeah. dragging a cutout just into iMessage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was cool, but this is more useful, yeah, for yeah. sure. Because was... Apple's was always like, copy it on your phone, open it in Photoshop on your computer. But I was like, what if you just edit it on your phone instead of having to copy yeah. it over? I guess they don't have they don't have the content-aware fill aspect of it because they're just right. cutting out. They them. probably will by the, I'm by, sure at WWDC this they're year. They're going to just go, now we filled in the background. You can just remove things from your photo. We yeah. call it Dynamic Eraser. eraser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's gonna happen. Dynamic eraser. So I'm calling that. <laughs> yeah. Magic. I can't. Magic is such an Apple word, but yeah, they'll call it something like Google that. already took it. Yeah. So. Okay. I want to talk about something crazy that I I really enjoyed, which is called Project Tailwind. And we think of it as an AI first notebook that helps you learn faster. How it works is you can simply pick the files from Google Drive, and it effectively creates a personalized and private AI model that has expertise in the information that you give it. Basically, there's all these different large language models that we use and interact with with things like BARD, but let's say you wanted to train this AI model on your own documents and things that you know, and then it could help you create new things or study things based on your own documents. And they went through this whole demo of like, Let's say you're a student and you've got your notes typed out in Google Docs. You train the model on your notes and then it'll just summarize the notes for you, create a study guide for you, help quiz you on the topics. I'm like, if I had this when I was in college, I would have been significantly more productive because oh, yeah. studying was not my forte and this would have been fire oh yeah your brain plaster would have just been like firing on all on all cylinders awesome. yeah. yeah my concern we were talking about this a little bit mm -hmm. so you're training it you're basically creating your own little 
transformer model, right? Your own training data set. I think the model's still the same, but it's trained on. Yeah, it's trained on your set. own personal stuff. Mm. But the way that generative AI still works is still just predictive words, right? Mm -hmm. So my concern, and I, I want to see this in action, and I, I think this is why it's in the labs feature right now still, yeah. but I want to see, like, if you create a study guide for yourself, what if it just starts lying? <laughs> Because you know how generative AI just like lies all the time? True. What if it just strings together incorrect facts? And then if you're creating like a flashcard system or a study guide system, you're just learning bad data. I also wonder like, is there X amount of data input you need to put in it before? Because I feel like less data input has right. more of a chance of attempting to fill in the blanks. Yeah, their, their thing had like 10 weeks of notes basically, <laughs> which is a decent amount of of. Data. And I'm also interested in terms of notes, like you two write stuff and take a lot of notes for a while, but if it were to pull the notes from this Google I.O. right now <laughs> and attempt to make real words out of this horrible yeah. spelling and yeah. punctuation, like sloppy, I feel like it could, but that seems like a potential issue. And like, I'm not fact checking all of my notes. If I'm, if I'm in class, I'm just taking them down as fast as possible. The professor's going crazy. I could spell things autocorrect could change the wrong word now that's the incorrect facts now i'm getting the incorrect facts back yeah because and i didn't just reread and make and be like oh that doesn't sound right yeah uh yeah but yeah. i think that's a lot that's the crux behind a lot of these features is in my head it's working perfectly so it's amazing but i think in real life they're very complicated and that's why they're still in labs is because yeah. there's lots of ways that they can yeah. go wrong yeah but if it works, then it's amazing. That's why yes. it's called tailwind because there's a tailwind behind you because you're flying through your learning. I, I believe assume. you. I that's believe my, you. <laughs> that's my guess. Yeah. I'm yeah. just confused if like, what if I have the same fact twice in my notes and they're and one of them's like wrong? Mm. Which one does it pick? There's a lot of what it's making a decision this. for you. Yeah. yeah, that's the weird thing. It's interesting because they're generally not just grabbing chunks of text and re placing it usually it's still generating like token by token this is what the word is going to be this is what we were talking about with the ai video before right which is it is just going word by word and predicting the next thing and it doesn't have this like built-in sentiment analysis or fact checker it doesn't yeah. know what it's saying or what to do about what it's saying right like there's a lot of cool bard features they talked about which is like give me a summary of these schools okay make them a table oh add a column to this table with prices and you can it'll do all these things because it knows what a column is and it knows what all these things those are. aren't fact oriented but they're not like fact check like if you they're functions like the data in the, ch the chart might be wrong you're right and it might always be wrong i do think and like we'll talk about that stuff that you just said later but previously when they were talking about ai and gmail like write my email and everything when they were talking about it here when they're talking about it later they were very specifically saying like like this is your starting point i think they said that probably yeah. like a hundred times like this is a great place for you to start yeah and i think that's their quick way of saying like please don't just send this right away. Like, this is helping the, you. This is a tool. The problem is if they're making tools that make it so you don't really have to look at things, like emails, they're like, oh, write a long email because I don't want to write a long email. Like, reading and and proofing a long email takes almost as much effort as it does to write the email. Mm, first. I would disagree, I think. I would rather have it write the email and me proof it. <sighs> mentally. Like, mentally I, I guess it takes it, the mental weight off of it. It feels, yeah. like, super and I, I like wrote this down in my notes later, especially when we get into Google workspaces, but like super personalized templates, yeah. like like super hyper specific templates to what you need. And like, yeah. that's awesome. Because how many times have people looked for a resume template? But what if you could say, 
write me a resume of I'm looking for a development job. Um, tailored for. Yeah, and yes. again, like tailor, be hyper-specific. And then when you can do that with like super specific things that might just be day-to-day life aspects, like that's really cool. What I would and love, and they didn't mention this specifically, is if the generated, say, uh, emails through your Gmail, if it scraped the emails that you've already sent and it wrote it in your voice, that oh, would be even yeah. better. Because like the sure. examples that they showed off were super, super corporate. But I'm pretty sure I would be able to read an email from someone that felt really corporate and just be like, Ugh. but if I was able to generate one that was like in the voice that I always send emails in, I think that would which be is like ninety percent exclamation marks for me. Uh, I need to tone it down lowercase. a little bit. <laughs> right. No, I capitalize. I just oh. am too excited about everything. I say I LMAO and put emojis in my uh, in my corporate emails. So the email <laughs> app that I use now, which is super useful, it's called Superhuman, has a snippet feature. Which there's a whole bunch of like snippets that I've made because I get asked for the studio shipping address all the time. Oh yeah. And so I oh. command K snippet insert and I type out. It types out this whole thing. The studio shipping address is blah nice. blah blah. The phone number for shipping is blah 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 and it's got this whole thing so i don't have to type it every time and google's been good at like auto filling some of that stuff in gmail if you use gmail but it's just like next level for me to go ah i've had conversations with this person before the the learn the language model is going to read those conversations and just pick up the conversation where it left off and like finish booking this hotel or canceling or asking for a refund it's just going to just do the work for me and that kind of moves us into the plugins feature yeah that they have for bard yeah so bard got a lot of improvements yeah a huge thing that got announced by chat gpt um a couple of months ago was chat gpt plugins Mm -hmm. where basically you could start things in chat gpt and then you'd be like hey i want to order a pizza and it'd be like domino's plugin and then all of a sudden a pizza gets ordered for you through chat gpt now there's going to be all these plugins for bard and they already announced like 30 plus partners and that just feels really powerful um, the confusing kind of thing is that Bard is still just like a quote unquote AI experiment from Google. Mm-hmm. And I feel like most people are going to be interfacing with most Google products within Google search itself or like a Google app yep. and having Bard be like this separate kind of platform that you use instead of being your main way that you interact with Google services feels kind of strange. So it was interesting the way they framed it and I found it kind of fascinating where they would talk about each one of these tools and they'd frame it each time. And so when they talked about Google search, they talked about how they're going to add AI generated things at the top of search. And then with each application of AI, they would say with this type of AI, we can do this. And with Bard, they said with a chat, like a chat experience of AI, you can do this. So it just felt like Bard was siloed off into here's the chat AI. If you want that, here's the other AI. And so you have to go find Bard to yeah. use Bard features, but they're also going to build in a lot of stuff into Google.com search. This is the interesting thing for me is I feel like at this point in time, or at least when Bard is a little bit better, mm-hmm. you know how the default landing page for like Chrome is just Google.com? Like you open a new tab, you've mm-hmm. got a new Google window. Mm-hmm. I think they should make every time you open a new window, a new tab, it's Bard. Because you're starting from like... This links out to everything else you do. It links out to all your other Google services. It, it can write an email for you that you can import into Google into Gmail. It can import stuff into Docs. It's basically like a, a nexus. It feels like the most functional thing. Right. Yeah. It's a nexus that goes out to all the other things that you want to do. Yeah. So using Bard as like their core nexus and then like linking out seems a lot better than starting with Google Search, which has a very specialized function and can maybe import into other services, but is not nearly as powerful yeah. as Bard. I agree. And I would, 
I mean, you said you you open up Chrome and you're like, oh, I'm opening this up because I'm planning a trip. And you type in the Bard, I'm planning a trip. And now it's bringing up Expedia and United.com and like literally laying out your tabs for you to right. like have yep. the most efficient work. That could be really cool. Yeah. It's just weird that they still kind of consider Bard to be like, oh, it's an experimental siloed feature over here, but still, but now it's like the most powerful product they have. Yeah. They did open up the waitlist. Yeah. So anyone can use it mm-hmm. or anyone in however 200 countries or whatever they say. As long as you it. speak English, Japanese, or Korean. Yeah. <laughs> and 40 other languages coming yeah. soon. Interesting. Okay. And well, yeah. it is now powered by their new Palm 2 model. Yeah. Right. There's a new large language model. That is more advanced. And there's, yeah, there's a ton of other features. Like, it'll bring up images now. Mm-hmm. It will use the plugin to, I think it's called Adobe Firefly, to generate images with images. that. I was confused by that, because, like, Firefly is one of the plugins, but yeah. they have their own image generation yeah. product. So I, I think that was just, I bet, I would bet you that Adobe paid them for that mm-hmm. <laughs> to, like, show off the plugin. Because they have their own image generation product. And yeah, I can't believe they wouldn't use their own. Yeah, That was a little confusing. The kind of cool thing that I thought was interesting is that they have Palm 2, right? And Palm 2 is like, it's like Lambda. It's their big model that they have. Yep. They have different scaled versions of Palm 2, and they name them different things. So they've got Gecko, Otter, Bison, and Unicorn. <laughs> and those are basically like how big the size of the model is. Yeah. Gecko can fit on a device. Right. That's pretty fire. Oh, yeah. That's going to be tensor-based. a bison's bigger than a unicorn. This is true. That's a good point. That's a fact. Maybe it's like... <laughs> they they asked like... Bard what the sizes were and it just got it wrong. <laughs> technically, <laughs> <laughs> technically, a gecko the is bigger What's than the unicorn. What's the biggest? What? Oh, what? A gecko is bigger than a unicorn. Oh, because you're saying it's not real? They're not real. I see. Have some imagination. Are you saying... Oh. (laughs) I think my geckos weren't real. I was like... (laughs) Where are we living right now? Uh, True. Maybe it was like how magical the animal is, you know? Probably. Unicorn is probably just opening the door for a bunch of other future stuff. Yeah, they're just saying unicorns are like the best. Yeah. Well, okay, there's one more... I just want to say one more thing before we get to the ad break, which is there was a really long, boring but important section in the middle, of which was just talking about responsible AI, which... It doesn't get all the f- the f- hype and the flowers of like the new pixels and stuff like that, but it it mentions the fact that like okay we're generating all this stuff these images that are more and more realistic with AI we need a way to know if it's AI or not there should be one either watermarks or two metadata from everything we create so that it's easily tagged or identifiable as created by AI I agree with all that. I don't know how well it applies to the way bad actors will use the products, but I think it's a good thing to be thinking about as this stuff moves forward. There was one other thing that they mentioned later as well, where I believe if you were creating AI generated images and they were showing up in Google search, there's like literally a tag at the bottom. A lot of times it'll be like image shutterstock, like there would be an AI generated tag right there because this is becoming so realistic. And and besides watermark, metadata is hard to be like. It's hard because it doesn't show up. A lot of people up are everywhere. looking at metadata, but and it can be stripped. And they didn't show the watermark that was going to be. They were their like de facto watermark was the little Bard logo, the little star, yeah, the little star, yeah. which I, is I, their just general AI logo now. So to me, that that little by the link that you would click for that, that feels almost like the most prominent way of showing that, that this was is AI the generated. most useful because I think that'll show up the most. I just think like when you see like the Pope image go viral on Twitter, mm-hmm. like there is no watermark, there's no metadata. Yeah. It has to be uncovered. It, especially imagine a bad, act, a bad actor 
where it's not necessarily a joke, funny tweet, and two minutes later, the guy's like, this is AI, ha ha. It's a guy, like, trying (laughs) Mm -hmm. to convince people it's real. Yeah. They will strip the metadata, and there will be no watermarks. It's so easy to strip metadata. Like, that was my thought process. There, There are quite a few companies that are, like, trying to figure out how to embed... Like seek like secret metadata or watermarks that you can't even see mm-hmm. into Blockchain. images that can be like <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm realizing I can't like whisper into the mic because you don't have Blockchain. headphones on and no one can. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but yeah, there's there's companies that are trying to do that, but I still see it being very difficult because like honestly, if I take a screenshot, that wipes all the metadata. Yep. If I bring it into Photoshop and export without metadata, that wipes all the metadata. So unless they're figuring out a way to include metadata that isn't the traditional form of having metadata in an image or a a watermark. Like if it has a watermark in the little bottom right corner, you just crop it by crop. 3%. Like, That's yeah. the problem. The watermark either is easily taken out or it's invisible. Or it's well, or it's too big that it ruins the picture. And then mm. like the people who are actually trying to use this for a tool in good faith, it's ruined because right. it has it has to span the entire image. They have invisible watermarks now. I just feel like it would be so easy to just take a screenshot or you just have to like change the file, basically. Yeah, I kind of imagine like you create something with Bard or some image uh, creator tool and it has this little invisible watermark, let's say, and then it goes viral on Twitter and anyone who uses a tool to analyze the image will go, oh, because of this 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 tool, we know that it's created by Bard because it left the invisible watermark. Mm-hmm. And that's great for people who use <laughs> yeah. Bard. Yeah. If you're not using Bard, that, yeah. that still needs to be thought about everywhere. It would else. have to be integrated into like Twitter where it would automatically say AI generated image because it scrapes the metadata of every image that's uploaded. Yeah. But there are no en- engineers left at Twitter, so that's never going to happen. There's a whole ecosystem that has to be built around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's all there. I think we'll take a quick break. We, we'll come back. We have a lot more to talk about. But you know what we did bring with us to the hotel? And we can't even hear the music because we don't have headphones on. But we brought our trivia <laughs> board, right so it's time for trivia. I'm just going to pretend I hear it. Yeah, you guys can't hear it, but trust me, it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, first trivia. question for Google I.O. Trivia. This Ooh. is brought to you by Ellis. So this question is brought to you by a great trivia suggestion that Ellis lost, but you know who you are. I don't know who that is. <laughs> what is that? We don't know. I don't know who that probably is. Probably tweeted at us. Yeah, that probably. Mean? All right. Google DeepMind has been brought in and out of Google several times over the past decade. But today at I.O., it was announced that Google's parent company, Alphabet, will be merging DeepMind with what Google subsidiary? Oh, I already knew this. Hmm. I, See, thought I this just a, saw this on stage. and I, I thought this was a previous already. question, but maybe not. It maybe you guys no, they just know. announced it today. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I remember the DeepMind thing mm-hmm. going on stage. And then the thing that came after, which is the answer to the trivia question, I completely forgot. <laughs> Yeah, cool. Perfect. I don't remember any of these. This is either a free point for me or I'm really dumb. And you're just blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to these, of course, after the episode or at the end of the episode. So until then. Wait, before we leave, can I just say something? No. Yeah. yeah. Old McSundar had a show, AI, AI, IO. And we're not coming back. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Support for this show comes from NetSuite, and that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it, because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. 
NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. All right, we're back. Uh, so I think that something that everyone's been waiting for basically ever since Microsoft dropped the whole Bing search thing, we had all those conversations around our website still going to get traffic <laughs> and is this going to be a paradox and are is nobody going to write content anymore because you're just scraping all this content and using it for Bing search uh, everyone's been wondering when is Google going to do that yeah, and what's it going to look like right because I think the theme for all this generative AI stuff is Microsoft's just dumping stuff into the world and then like live patching stuff whereas Google's trying to be a little more careful because they have a lot to lose and nothing to gain, whereas Microsoft has everything to gain and nothing to lose. Like we said in our video about AI that we have done 20 of them now. I don't know which one it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but basically, Google released its version of the, its generative AI search today. Yeah. Um, right which, at the top. Yeah, right at the top. It's pretty interesting how it works. Uh, it's not too dissimilar to Bing. You ask a question into Google search, and then it writes a generative AI answer. It shows three very prominent links with header images from those links. They said something like, we know humans, and humans always want to look deeper, so they're definitely going to read the articles. And then I was like, press X to doubt. <laughs> yeah. Because that doesn't, I feel like a lot of people are just going to search that, and then are just going to run away and never come back. Um, but I think one thing that they're trying to do to counteract that is they are doing a thing where they show a lot more human input from the internet now. So instead of just scraping like really big main websites and taking that information, they had this feature before where they showed like, it's called like conversations or something, like people talking about that topic all over the internet, sort of like how you put Reddit at the end of a search so you can see actual mm -hmm. humans talking about it instead of someone who wrote for an SEO optimized web page. Yep. Um, but yeah, effectively, it's just like it's written by effectively a, a Bard or Chat GPT, and then you've got all these links on the side. It does have material you theming, which I found very pretty, which is based on a lot of the sites. So if you search like, what's a better family trip with a with kids and a dog? Is it Bryce Canyon or Arches National Park? And then it comes up with this material you themed kind of green because of the national park stuff. I don't know. It's kind of interesting looking. I'm still a little bit worried that websites are not going to get nearly They're as not much get traffic. Any traffic. Yeah. Anyway. Can, and it can include photos like yeah. in there as well. So because you could say like, um, I think their example was like, what's the best sightseeing in X place? And I'll show photos of that. So like mm -hmm. if it's showing what people are saying about it, photos of it and the why would you ever? Why would you? Why ever would you ever click? Click? I would need closing my tab now. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of interesting how they focus so much on um, like using AI responsibly. They did not really mention about how this is just going to kill website yeah. traffic and potentially kill websites that it's taking the data from. Like you'd think that if they were going to be slower about this than Microsoft, they would take this more into account because Microsoft got a lot of flack for that. 
Hmm. It doesn't seem like they really are. Um, they have some other features, like there is a follow-up button where it generates pr- like potential follow-up questions that you have, and it'll uh, add it to the search, and you can just keep going. And they have a thumbs-up and a thumbs-down button, unlike YouTube. Uh, so they're clearly not talking to the YouTube team about that. But They'll take that away soon before we hurt Bard's feelings. <laughs> yeah, but search looks a little different now. Right now, again, this AI-generated search thing is a experimental labs feature as well. Basically, everything that we're going to talk about today with the AI stuff is a labs feature. Yep. Uh, you can go to g.co slash labs to like sign up to try everything, but everything is in beta right now. Sign up for everything. Yeah, you have to sign up for everything. So at least at least they're like seeing how it plays out in the real world before they just unleash it into the world. But yeah, yeah. Do you guys have thoughts on? I feel like it's not that different from our Bing conversation because it is effectively the same thing. I think very similar. There there are some like cool things like adding images and stuff. Like I still think it's really neat. I think it's just like ultimately again it's searching but just being it's it's like the joke we've always everyone makes of like google search is so good at typing in the most random thing and it knowing what you're talking Mm -hmm. about and now it can just be ultra specific about that rather than yeah if you were looking for bryce canyon and what was the other one like canyon lands arches arches and you were trying to figure out if you can bring kids bring a dog if it's easily accessible you would have two separate searches for both the national parks going into and then finding the specific things. Now it's just telling you all right there. I also just am very curious about the accuracy again, because the it's like using generative AI for things that are just more uh, creative doesn't really matter. But when you're doing search and Google's entire ethos is we're going to give you information, we're going to be accurate about that information. I didn't really hear a lot in the keynote about them saying we take accuracy really Fact seriously and this like is going to be mm-hmm. specifically scraped or whatever from the websites. That kind of concerns me. I'm I'm very interested to try it. I want to try to break it and see how easy it is to break. That's You won't be alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alone. Uh, I don't have specific thoughts, but I, that did remind me of a story that I'll try to tell really quickly. Mm-hmm. I was at the studio the other day and I had this memory of something I wanted to reference of something that I saw on a talk show that was like a robot of like a a pink robot thing that I saw once and I was like I can't remember what it is and I started googling and looking on YouTube of like pink robot talk show uh clown robot pink and I I was like putting in every combination of search things and I could not find it I must have put in 30 different google searches I couldn't find it on reddit couldn't find it on youtube and then Jonas said, have you tried asking ChatGPT? And then I opened up ChatGPT and I asked it and it instantly answered a full sentence with the name of the thing, which I then went to YouTube and searched and found. Wait, uh, what is it? What? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's called Mr. Blobby. <laughs> it's really <laughs> stupid. I Don't ask me why. I was like, oh not, my God. Is, yeah. Holy crap. This yeah. is terrifying. Oh, is this on John Oliver? Yeah. Uh, no, it was on a different. See, that was the thing. I, I think, can't remember what show it was I think on. they've shown this in John Oliver. I was looking before. on like Noel's UK House talk Party. show. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah, it was tough to find, but okay. ChatGPT immediately found it, and that just had me thinking the whole time of like, yeah, I'm going to use Bard for a lot of stuff. What did you stuff. put into ChatGPT? Because uh, something, a conversation we had prior was like, we yeah. think in SEO now. I asked it in natural language, what was the name of the pink robot on that UK talk show? That and it just, just came like, up. And it just was like, oh, you mean you're talking about Mr. Blobby, right? Wow. Mr. And it gave me the history and the episode and the host and everything. And searching in SEO didn't really work. Did not. Yeah, could not find it. It was really weird. 
but it worked perfectly and it was impossible with Google or YouTube. Wow. Very strange. Interesting. Yeah, for the yeah. listeners, SEO's search engine optimization, which is basically I like think everyone, I hope everyone knows. <laughs> people probably don't. When you work in publishing, you do, but a lot of people don't always know what SEO yeah, means. Fair. So anyway, so, so. I, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. The power I, of natural language. I do have one more thing about search, but it's more just because there was a point in the way they ended the search conversation that made me feel bad and I didn't like it. And they were going through a whole example of how search and shopping through Bard mm -hmm. can be uh, like put together. And essentially they're to go really quick through their example. It's like, I want a bike. I want an e-bike. It needs to go this far. It needs to be this color. So that obviously can answer all those questions and then go one step further where after you make that bike purchase, you can start thinking about, where you want to ride the bike, how, if you want to make your, what the name for your bike gang. But then they <laughs> mentioned this thing at the end. It's like, craft me a social media post about me buying my new bike. Oh. And I hated it so much. And I just like immediately was thinking of like, like the, hey, Google, it's my, my kid's first day at school. Write me a Facebook post about how proud I am. Yeah. Of them. And just like, are we at this weird point where we talk about like void of emotion? Like, are the social are the Twitter the tweets I'm gonna read are the skeets on Blue Sky gonna be like <laughs> written by Bard like where I don't know that that part made me sad every I, single time we see a feature like this it just reminds me of LinkedIn because LinkedIn's <laughs> been doing this for years where if someone gets a new job on LinkedIn there'll be a button it'll be like congratulate Marquez on the new job and there'll be a button that says congratulations Marquez I'm so proud of you <laughs> you tap the button and it posts a comment that says exactly that oh. and that just feels so devoid of oh, any emotion sure. it's like you know how we're writing emails now and we're using like AI to generate yeah. longer emails. And then when it gets to me, I'm like, I ain't reading that. Summarize that for me. And it's like, what are we doing? I was going to say like the, just, they, the examples they give got closer and closer to being personal and with emotion, but never crossed the line. Right. Like, oh, I would like a refund on my flight. Like a very functional email. Yeah. Or like, oh, I need to explain something to someone. So write this explainer based on this data. Very functional. Mm -hmm. But they would always like get right up to the line, but never cross over. Just like, oh, my friend like, you know, is like really feeling sad. Like cheer him up and like write an email for me. And it would just, <sighs> it, it could do that too, but Google never went there. But yeah. you know, people are going to go. The, so oh, yeah. the social post, I think, is what felt like crossing that line. It's like right me. on the line. Because I, I could see a crosses. social post about buying a bike is not super emotional. And just like, I don't remember the name of the bike, but I just want to tell my bike I don't. You just Twitter. bought it. It's know, your, but you're you making the bar? post because you literally just purchased it. <laughs> I like, just, I think that's crossing. I think it, it's, it's a little over. It's a little over. But it, yeah, there's they were smart about never crossing it. It's just weird to have AI write like social posts. Because yes. then it's just... You're just reading robot text. Is it a social post? Like, what? is that even social? Yeah. yeah. What, are, hmm. what are we doing? I don't know. I can't wait till my bar talks to your bar on Twitter <laughs> later. <laughs> the internet is just like firing in all cylinders, and we're just like it's just robots. <laughs> <laughs> it's just humans drooling, and the robots talking to each other. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. We're we're outsourcing our minds. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. do you want to get to products? Something? Oh yeah. I think let's just go. To let's products. get right to yeah, products. Yeah, all right. I want to talk about. Let's start with the Pixel 7a. Mm -hmm. That was the first one. That was the most straightforward one. We have a review up on it now. If you want to watch that, get my succinct seven-minute thoughts on this product. But here's an extended... Yeah, not seven really. minutes for It happened a. to be seven minutes, but it is the 7a. Okay. Anyway, the In the Weeds version is now. Uh, <laughs> this is a $499 <laughs> Android phone. It is a Pixel. Uh, so it has the advantages of being a Pixel. 
but it is $50 more expensive than last year. So number one is, okay, what's new about this phone? Uh, the Pixel 6a was quite good for 449. This one has a 90 hertz display now, has new cameras, and has wireless charging. Mm -hmm. And so the price goes up a little bit, and you're like, wow, this is a, this is a pretty good phone for 499. But, but it also has the same Tensor G2 and 8 gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage as the Pixel 7 that's six months old, which you can also get right now pretty easily for also $499. And so that became a little bit more weird. So Google's, Google's making this whole lineup of Pixels now. We'll get to the Pixel Fold in a second, but you can buy a phone anywhere now between $350, which is where the Pixel 6a stays in the lineup, and $1,800, which is the starting price of the Pixel Fold. Yeah. And somewhere all the way in the middle is, well, you could get a Pixel 7 or a 7a for right around 500 bucks. Which one should you get? Seven. 99 times out of 100, <laughs> I'm going to say get the 7. Even yeah. though it's older, it's the same spec. It's going to get software updates for just about as long. It also has faster wireless charging. It also feels a little bit smoother at 90 hertz for whatever reason. Uh, it's also 90 hertz out of the box, although the 7a is 60 hertz out of the box yeah, for some reason. Roughly the same battery life. Yeah, you have to turn it on. Display or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's made of real glass instead of plastic like the 7A. Grill glass Victus on the screen instead of grill glass 3. Exactly. It's so there's a, just a whole bunch of little things that add up to a better phone at the same price. So I would recommend getting the Pixel 7 for the same price. But the yeah. 7A exists now. It will probably also drop in price right. later. Um, thoughts on the 7A. New colors too. The colors Coral. are hot. Coral, man. Coral. Yeah, it's good. Coral is online Coral's exclusive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, it's really, really good looking. They didn't send it to like any press for some reason. No, I saw some on YouTube. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, we didn't have it. Yeah, I was really jealous. We got the blue and the black. <laughs> blue looks okay. Of, I like the blue. Yeah. Yeah, the blue's good. Um, a lot of the reviews called it like a Pixel 7 by any other name or like I'm seeing double because again, they're basically <laughs> yeah. the same phone. I think that they are basically the same phone except in every little way that they're not which is the Gorilla Glass 3 instead of Gorilla Glass Victus. It's the fact that there's they're basically the same size, the 7 and the 7A, except there's a little bit more of a chin on the display of the 7A, so the screen is technically smaller. Mm -hmm. It's a 6.1 instead of 6.3, I think. Yep. Um, the wireless charging, 7.5 watts, doesn't isn't that helpful. I think you said in your review that like you can put it on your wireless charger in your car and it doesn't lose battery, but it yeah. doesn't really gain I battery. I gained 1% in 45 minutes. Yeah. Just because I was like high brightness navigation, Bluetooth a whole bunch. Just, it's 18 watt wired charging instead of the, the 30 watt, which I think is more like 25 wired charging of the Pixel 7. Yeah. Uh, the camera sensor is way better than it was on the 6A because it's... How much? Forty well, we percent bigger. About that. Yeah, so, it's seventy-two percent bigger. Seventy-two percent. Yeah. So the six A had the tried and true twelve megapixel IMX three sixty three that like every pixel for years had, and yeah. so that was kind of like a safe safe thing. Yeah. This was a new brand new sensor in the seven A, which could have sixty four megapixel sensor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's new, and you can't actually shoot sixty four megapixels. It bends down to sixteen, but it is a larger physically sensor. Yeah. Uh, so it'll get more light. It will be able to take faster shutter speeds in low light photos. It will be able to take uh, softer depth of field shots in regular lighting and close up subjects. So it turned out to be better. They did the, I think the processing pretty well. Mm. And so that was nice to see. Um, it also has an ultra wide, which had a surprising amount of distortion. Mm. I took some ultra wide shots where I was just like, 
I'm just gonna crop in. Like this doesn't look good at the edges. Like I do Dang. get more, but like that's what wow, wants out of an ultra wide. Yeah, <laughs> it was shockingly distorted, and I, that yeah. seemed like a weird Google omission. Like when I think of Google, I think of like them making a super ultra wide look not so distorted through yeah. software. This one didn't do it, so maybe I'll fix that later. Um, decent selfie camera. Yeah, I here's a here's a quick A/B test. Uh, would you even notice some of these things in phones? Plastic back versus glass back. Not on this phone. On this phone? Feels glasticky, kind of like Samsung feels, used to do. Feels really close. I hate yeah. that you use glastic. Yeah, I'm sorry. But it is <laughs> when I held that phone, it felt fine. Yeah, it does feel just like, like the glass yeah. phone. So that one I didn't mind so much. Um would you notice six point three inch versus six point one inch display? Not really. Not super. Yeah. Would you even necessarily notice the difference between the old 12 megapixel shots and the new 16 megapixel shots? I noticed the depth of field difference, but I would bet you that regular people would not. Yeah. Yeah. Would you notice seven and a half watt wireless charging versus 20 watt wireless charging? 15? 20 or 20? 15. It's higher. It's, it's about higher. double. It's and it I might think, be 20. No, I, yeah, I think you're right. It's 20. I think it's I'm 20, wrong. and I, I would actually. It's funny because when you guys just said that before, I was like, this sounds like a total non issue. Yeah. Like the wireless charging. Wireless charging in your car running high brightness navigation music. You stay, you don't charge, but like wireless charging in your car running all of that. Like most of my wireless charging is just sitting at my desk or yeah. next to my bed to make sure it's full in the morning. Triple charge. The work. Yeah. Is it lower minimum brightness? Um, I wasn't able to maximum? find that in the spec sheet. I don't know about minimum. The maximum, maximum, sorry, maximum. Maximums were five hundred. I would have to double check. Yeah, but um, I wouldn't say that they're dramatically different. So yeah, this is the thing. You wouldn't notice most of these things, but I feel like. But all together, if we're trying to recommend devices to consumers, like I would want to educate consumers that, like, I know this is newer, but you can get the same phone, but with everything better for basically the same price nine times out of ten yeah so it's like i really want to get a psa out to the general public that like you can buy a pixel 7 and it's a little bit better budget phone of the year the pixel 7 yeah i gave it an award wait it's like a great phone that was the you gave phone of the year to pixel 7 yeah oh, yeah sorry phone of the year phone of yeah, the year. yeah 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 like and a, budget phone of the year. i was like please don't yeah. go into the budget debate again no, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like a oh. really good phone and it's like yeah. seven months set old. it on the screen today it's yeah it's a good phone so the only other difference is the 7 has ip68 versus this has ip67 but again oh, nice. nothing something uh consumers yeah. not gonna if you really like the colors <laughs> and you're a regular person and you're not gonna notice here's one other thing that i don't think is confirmed yeah but when they were talking about magic editor they said will only be available to new phones is pixel 7 in that list or is that only 7a insane. in that list I mean, and that are. also sounds like something google would say to hype up the release in the phones coming out in the fall and mm -hmm. then let all the phones use it I mean, by january that'd be wild if 7a only had well it's 7a and then 8 fold. and fold would all have it but would 7 have it and 7 pro it would be hilarious if it didn't. Because they both the have Yeah, but they've GT. done this before. Yeah. It's the same RAM. They did it with Magic Eraser, didn't they? They said this, that was when Tensor was out, and they said this will only be available on Tensor, yeah. and then six months later, they roll it out to all Pixel I could understand phones. it because it was Tensor versus other stuff that didn't have Tensor. And the this time, it's phone. the same. Right. It's the same phone on and the And it's the cheaper phone. Yeah. That's why I think it would be hilarious. Yeah, would be that would be hilarious. <laughs> but, like, but technically, by their wording, I'm pretty sure they said available on new phones. Hmm. Which I assume at this point we're talking about new phones, which yeah. is stuff they announced and stuff they're going to announce. Seven months old. We'll wording. 
Interesting wording. We'll have to see. I also think because Magic Editor was also not coming till fall anyways, right? So then maybe it won't even be 7A. Maybe it'll only be... Oh, Pixel 8. But then it has to go on the fold later this year. Did they demo it on the fold? They didn't demo it, but like, how do you not put it on the fold if it's on the 8? Right. I I mean, it's going to eventually come to every Android phone through Google Photos anyway. Exactly. Yeah, because everything eventually gets moved to the Google servers, and they just let you do it in Google Photos on their servers. Yeah, we start with that. Three to six months later. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Pixel 7a is a it's a it's a decent phone. It's not quite as like slam dunk deal as maybe it was in the past with the A series. And anytime the price goes up inside the A series yeah. like bracket, people are sensitive to it, which is why I think look at the six A at three forty nine if you really want like a deal. Yeah. Um but yeah, that was that was my thoughts. What on was six A MSRP when it was four fifty? Mm, I think it was way lower. Hold on. No, I, I think, think it was, was four fifty because I remember talking about it going up. So like how yeah. long ago was it? Dude, the Pixel, Pixel A series started the, at like three fifty. The four A was three fifty, and it was yeah. the best deal of all time. We're yeah. getting to the point where Pixel four A is like my favorite Pixel. You're one hundred and fifty bucks up on that now. Yeah, from the original A series, I don't think they can ever put the A over five hundred. Six A was four forty nine. Okay. At yeah. At launch, yeah. So it's a hundred bucks off now. The six A. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, except for the stuttery 60 It's not a good performing phone. Yeah. I got heat for that, but let's just be honest. It's not smooth. Yeah, I will also say that the 7A in 60 hertz mode also has that issue, which is very strange. It feels like it's like dropping frames a lot. And I was showing you this in the car on our way to Wawa the other day. When you're pulling down the notification shade, like eight times out of 10, it'll like stutter on its way down. I am a little bit curious about the choice to be 60 hertz out the box on the a series when it's capable of 90 and if that's if there's any more reason behind that because the same exact chip and the same basically the same battery size are in the pixel 7 which is 90 hertz out the box am i crazy i would bet you that because this phone is more targeted towards budget users they're probably not the ones that are like i need 90 hertz i need this i need that and they only they care more about battery life i see so for the people that are buying the A-series phones, they're like, if we can squeeze a little more battery life out of this, and if you happen to be a power user, turn it on. That's fair. That's you know what it's also going to be? Because at a carrier service, when you're buying a plan, that's going to be $500, and the Pixel 7 is still going to be whatever they're going to charge you. Yeah. So like, that is still going to be mm. the cheap Pixel phone, that's and true. people are going to get it. Also, you can, just like last year, you can buy a millimeter wave one from Verizon for another $50. Yeah. Last year was an extra $100 for the 7. Jesus. Uh, but for the for the 7A, you can get one for $549. If you're on Verizon and really want that. And really want the millimeter wave version. Yeah. All right. We got to take a quick break. We got more pixels and hardware to talk about. So we're going to do that in our last segment. But of course, as usual, before we hit that break, hit that trivia. Trivia. And Dude. none of you guys can hear it. It's wow. just for me. All right. Second question. So which version of Android was the first one optimized for tablets? Oh, oh I know wow. this. Ooh. David, that's the second time you said you better get both of these. (laughs) History lesson in my head with this, because I had the I had the Zoom. There's Android tablet. It launched with the Motorola Zoom. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I know. Oh, I remember it. Yes. I remember the couch I was sitting on at my Mormon friend's house when I I remember getting the Zoom as well. (laughs) Learned about this information. I was in college. Oh we'll 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 get to that after the break. Be right back. (laughs) 
support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI power gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is gonna change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution, like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. All right, welcome back. Let's talk about the last bit, the exciting bits, at least to me, because I like hardware. People cheered in the crowd so loudly. People got pretty hyped for these. Yeah. We got a new Pixel tablet and a new Pixel folding tablet called the Pixel Fold. Nice. I don't know. I don't like the way I said that, but we'll just keep it in. Folding it's a phone. folding phone. New fold and the new Becomes tablet. a tablet. Okay. So very different uh, in the spectrum of price. I guess we'll start with... Uh, tablet. No, I, I like... Let's do the fold first. Okay. Because the fold is wild. The fold is a very confusing, conflicting product to me because I really like it and want it. And I also know that I will not be recommending this to most people. Pretty fair. Sounds evergreen for all our folding. (laughs) Okay, so, well, it's a pixel, but, like, even multiplied. So it is $1,800. And so when you come in at that price, you immediately attract the early adopter and the enthusiast who both care a lot about what? Design, aesthetics, incredible specs and performance. And what does this phone have? Tensor G2 from seven months ago and not the best-looking bezels. Yeah. So it's not going to appeal to the $1,800 phone buyer, but I really like the Pixel stuff about it. Right. It has all of that stuff still, but now it's a seven and a half inch screen in the inside that unfolds, and I've been waiting for this sort of passport size thing. And the decision they made, when you can see this in the impressions video, is they moved a lot of the, the folding hardware to like above and below the hinge mm. in order to keep it thin. Mm. So it's a 180 degree fold, 
but it's thinner than any other foldable I've ever used. In the US, other than the Xiaomi the, foldable. And the Surface Duo. Oh. But that's not a folding screen, so I don't count that's that. That's not a phone. Oh, right. <laughs> it's not a phone. Fair it's enough. a Surface. Fair um, but it is a really thin, really nice to hold tablet, pa- passport-sized tablet thing. Mm-hmm. And so I really like it, and I'm going to definitely, tr- I'm going to get one, and I'm going to review it and see what it's like. But I also know that at 1800 bucks, you should probably just get the Fold 4 from Samsung. Like, that's the better phone for most people um that's you probably three that's pixel one. sevens for that price yeah you could also get <laughs> other phones so yeah that's it's out what do you what do you guys think now that you've seen it so yeah <laughs> <laughs> i actually i don't know i the the hardware is really nice i'm really glad they have really nice hardware first generation google hardware can be very rough the cool thing is I know that they've been working on foldable interfaces for a very long time. Basically, ever since the first Galaxy Fold came out, Google's been working super tightly with Samsung to like make foldable interfaces really... like They had Android 12L, yeah. and the L just meant large. Mm-hmm. Large screen displays, a.k.a. foldables. So now we're on Tablets. Android 14 is about to come out, yeah. and they've been working on this for a long time. They showed a lot of like multitasking modes that seemed really natural. They have the new... Uh, multitasking bar that you can slide up with, that which Samsung fire. already has. Samsung already had that, but it was in a permanent dock at right. the bottom of the screen. This, this goes away. Hides. comes up from the multitasking bar. Yeah. I thought it was fire. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. The, the bezels do seem a little rough. I understand that you need bezels of some kind to be able to hold a foldable. Put a real webcam in there. Yeah. Yeah. Real selfie camera. Real selfie camera. Instead of the garbage that's under the screen of the Samsung. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just saying. I will say that they didn't really hide the hinge in between the bezels very well. And it looks a little more rough than like the Galaxy Fold 4. You're saying the crease? The crease. Uh, not the crease, Above but like the screen, oh, oh, where the two okay. pieces yeah. like kind of touch each other, okay. and then there's the screen that floats on top. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it does. It looks a little bit rough when you open it. Um, but well, I want to. Tr- I want to try it more. I want to try it yeah. more. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think that you're definitely spot on. That like, I have. N- I've wanted a foldable for a long time, but I don't love Samsung's UI. I always love the Pixel UI. Yeah. So having something that has both is really amazing. And I like that it's in more of the Oppo Find N form factor. Oh, yeah. So the candy bar thing? Yeah. Because the yeah. candy bar from Samsung is... Do you remember the first generation that fold? That was funny. Looking back at that phone... Oh, my God. I gave that kind of an easy time. Like, I was like, wow, guys, it folds. Like, can we you literally just bezel, it folds? It. But now that I look back at it, I'm like, whoa. The, <laughs> the inner display of the first fold that was like yeah. one-eighth the size of the actual phone it's was like ridiculous yeah so yeah i'm I'm pretty excited about it. i do want to try it. i know that a lot of the people at the office are like gonna pre-order it mm-hmm. you get a free pixel watch if you pre-order it Gotta which is hilarious door. Yeah. i i know that the pixel watch has been selling really well i think they released a stat well comparatively they released a stat that it's like the best selling android wearable or something or wear os wearable I can't believe it. that's a very high bar yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um i think that they're I think that they're just trying to move people into the Google everything ecosystem. For so sure. if you if you just don't have a smartwatch yet and you're buying a Pixel Fold, they're like, we're going to get one on your wrist and you're going to be in the Pixel watch ecosystem Who for the rest of the time. Who is that person that doesn't have... Uh, it's <laughs> weird because, yeah. $1,800 yeah. and is going to drop it on a Pixel Fold, but somehow doesn't already have the Pixel a smart, watch. Or exactly. a smartwatch, yeah, in general. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um Funny enough, I think you could, you have your choice of the LTE or the Wi-Fi only version, and the LTE one's fifty dollars more expensive. So I don't know why they're giving you the option. 
both yeah. free. You just yeah. take whatever one you want. Mm. Yeah. The, so the full seems cool. I, I really, I think all of us in the office are probably going to try it for a little bit and then see how we like it. So. Um, I loved it. I mean, I played with it for like 40 minutes and I was like, wow, this it's 120 hertz on the outside and inside. Yeah. It was smooth. And I think, t- like, to your point, like, a lot of people look at the bezels when they aren't using the phone and they look kind of weird. But yeah. then w- once you actually use the phone and you're looking at the screen, that's the important part. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I look at the screens now, I'm more willing to forgive, like, a slightly thicker bezel. Yeah. Because I'm looking at the screen. The screen's nice. Yeah. So if if I can deal with the Pixel 3 XL, like, bathtub notch, I think I can <laughs> get away that, with that. you'd be fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, be fine. this whole thing... You know, I came into this thinking it's a foldable. I'm not really that interested in foldables. And then I left it thinking, like, I really want to try that. Yeah. I think I really do want to try it. Um, there are some really cool things about it. Like you said, some of the software was really neat. I really liked the... Um, I liked how if you are multitasking on both screens and then you swipe into recent apps, it'll stay docked together with the multitasking things that you're using. So you yeah. can go back if you're in, like... Google or like a video and messages like that'll stay together when you bring it back later um, or like sheets and your Gmail email or something really. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really neat. Um, they showed off, which I thought was pretty cool. The like live translation where you flip the whole thing open and you can speak into one side seeing your translation and then the other side where someone's looking at, you can see yeah, that. That's I know that's like a weird, like it's kind of strange, but it also is way better than the like, I've I've seen a lot of people mention this, like they say they can go to foreign countries and actually oh, yeah. be able to to communicate with people, but that's talk into it, look at it, show it to them. Yeah. At least you kind of have some sort of like a little quicker back and forth. We were memeing this a little bit, like the lady in the demo was sort of like, here, here, look at it, look at it. <laughs> yeah. I thought what they were going to do is because when you fold it open, it's such a big display, I thought it would split the screen in half and on one side it would read the text towards you and on the other side it would read oh, towards them so if you were like si- if you were like sitting at a table across from somebody you could both be looking down at it and it would like talk into it and translate mm-hmm. it i think they're liking the screen on the other side yeah Maybe i think they were just trying to flex that google translate is one of those apps where every time i see an improvement of it i'm like damn that's good and then i never use it Uh-oh. i wasn't when i was in colombia the entire time we're like we need someone who speaks good spanish because we're not using our apps very well, but it has a feature where like you can say something in English, it'll it's, immediately transcribe it, hit play, and it'll say it in Spanish. Yeah. Like out loud. Yeah. And it's like that would have been really useful in a taxi or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna like be in the front seat of the taxi, like talking to the phone and like showing them the screen. Yeah. But the audio experience is nice. But yeah. it was cool. The next big step of that is now that we have um audio AI and there's some products that can do this already where you just you say like I think Humane had this in their demo. <laughs> Oh God. Um, however that ends up looking, but like where you can say something into it, say, translate this for me. And then in your voice, it says it in the language, uh, like mm-hmm. the other language, which yeah. will be really cool. Um, do you have any other thoughts on the tablet? Not I, I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got some thoughts the on the fold? tablets. We'll get to it in a minute. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I think I liked the pixel fold way more than I thought I would. I definitely am going to try it out at some point. I don't think I'll pre-order it necessarily um because i you don't want that um, pixel watch (laughs) (laughs) yes i just need another pixel watch attempting to connect to my phone at all hours of the office um yeah yeah i i think it looks really cool i'm excited to try it the thing is is like if you haven't used a foldable can you drop eighteen hundred dollars without knowing you're gonna enjoy using a foldable all the time it does it does seem thinner 
So ultimately, it does seem like the normal phone function should be fine, which I know is good. But then am I just paying three times as much money that I'm never going to open it up? We'll see. I I would like to try. I'm more excited now than I was before. I think I tried to curb my own hype and then saw saw fancy... I got totally sold by the fancy presentation of it. and uh, There are also a bunch of other question marks with it that we're, we have to figure out in the review. One is, it's still Tensor G2, and it is a smaller battery. It is the biggest battery in a foldable, but it is still a 4400 or something like that. And Tensor G2 has not traditionally been super battery efficient. And it's a gigantic unfolding screen on the inside. Yeah. So what's the battery life going to be like? That's number one. We don't know. Number two is it is thinner than the regular Pixel, so it is, yet again, a new set of camera sensors. Yeah. Um, There are slightly thinner modules, and they had to make a slightly thinner periscope lens, and all these things are all slightly smaller than the Mm -hmm. flagship Pixel 7 Pro. Yeah. So we'll have to, again, see what those cameras do. Samsung has done that in their folds, too. Their folds always have lesser cameras than their most recent flagships. Exactly. So we're going to have to test those. Um, And then that's just, just the apps question of, like, they did like there's 50 new updated Google apps for, you know, optimizing for the tablet screen size and hopefully a bunch of new third party apps that work really well with it too. the different column sizes and all that. We'll have to play with that. That's a question mark. Uh, but then just like performance, you know, Tensor G2 holding up over time, Android 14, all that fun stuff. We'll see. I am fairly optimistic about battery life because I think that like the reason that this phone is so thin is I think that they want to encourage people to feel okay using it closed. Mm. When you only need to use it as a closed phone, you just use the front display, which is also 120 hertz. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a you know it's a glass screen instead of sort of that plastic kind of thing. Yeah. And so if you're able to, if it's about the same thickness as a Pixel Seven, and then you're using it as a regular phone, but it has a way bigger battery, that's kind of dope. And then you just open it when you need to when you want to use expanded app features. Yeah. So I'm optimistic because I think that for with a lot of foldables, a lot of people kind of just open it for the novelty and use apps in big screen mode for the novelty, but they don't actually need to. So the more that it can feel like a regular phone most of the time, and then you have the convenience of the tablet when you need it, I think that that's kind of the ultimate in between. Yeah. Yeah. It'll depend on the ratio of how much you use the outside versus the inside. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. On to the main event. The main event, the Pixel tablet, ladies and gentlemen, it is a real thing. I wish I could hear the sound effects. But did you hear it? <laughs> I did it at the same time. Okay, so Pixel tablet uh, gets unveiled. It is what we thought it was, which is it's a tablet <laughs> that connects to a speaker magnet dock that makes it a Google Home. The things that we didn't know that we now know are, one, it's a... Uh, Tensor G2, it's an 11-inch, 60 hertz LCD. It's not a super high-end tablet. And the price will be $499. And it will include, David, you want to, I'm sure you would love to remind <laughs> us of our bet. But it will include the dock in the box. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been talking about this off-camera pretty much all day. I had to remind them very, We've very been time. talking about it. it. So, yeah, well, I think it. one person's been talking about it a yeah. lot more. Yeah, this is others. our bet was whether or not it came with the dock included. It does, which is dope. You yep. can also buy an additional dock for one. 29. Yes. Oh, I missed that. You can buy an Yes, you dock. can buy an additional okay. dock. I think it's a little bit weird to buy an additional dock and then just have just a speaker dock sitting somewhere that you can't use unless you throw the tablet on it. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's kind of strange. I but I mean if you 
just want to buy it. I like the, op- the options there, which is nice. Yeah, because you could like put it in a corner or something, and it, it's felt, so it kind of blends in with your environment. It would have been nice if the dock had its own like, Bluetooth connection, or just like a Google Assistant thing built in. So yeah, so ask it stuff from across the you room. You could still play music on it without having to have the. That's a yeah. good point. Yeah, but it doesn't. So there are there are pins on the dock, and those four pins match up to the four pins on the back of the tablet. And when you connect them, those pins are everything. That's data and power. So if you, actually, it's how you charge the tablet. You put it on the dock. There's a USB-C port. There is a port. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't come with a USB-C cable. No. So you'll have to charge it on the dock. And then the other thing is, uh, yeah, it's got a speaker built into the tablet. So if you're playing music and you want that, like, slightly louder speaker, which I've listened to it a little bit, it's louder, but it's not that loud. Mm. We'll test it more. You put it on the speaker dock. And then now it's a Google Home. It's got hub mode. You lock it, and it will go into hub mode and do all the hub mode stuff. So that was cool. You want to bring that yeah, up? Yeah, I, I think hub mode was the thing that we're kind of learning about this that really, like, showed how this thing is really neat. And how, yeah. like, what hub mode is is essentially when it's docked, that makes it, you know, feel like a Nest Hub. You have, like, home controls. You have, like, yeah. easy voice-to-text, like, stuff on that makes it super easy. But when you want it to be in the tablet mode, you either pull it off or use the fingerprint sensor, and then you're going into regular Google Apps and yeah, stuff like that. It. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you can have multiple users' fingerprints preloaded so that if you have a different set of apps as me, as I would have I like, think as exactly you. What it does. I know they mentioned multi-user. I yeah. forget if it does that where it sets you up per fingerprint or if it's just multiple fingerprints can unlock it yeah. to go to your... Because you know, Android so has multi-user it, built I in. I do think they said... Yeah. Logins. Yeah, I think it's two completely different users. That's dope. Two, which the iPad doesn't hasn't have. had forever. And the way they showed it on stage, which is new, but we haven't seen it in action yet, is like there's a little picture in the corner, and you just tap the picture because like a tablet that's at home is floating around your house. Exactly, like maybe yeah. you and someone else uses it. You tap the picture, and then it sort of brings you to the login screen. You tap your new picture, log in with your fingerprint, and it's a new tablet, new apps, new home screen, new everything. So I would want to get the one with more storage to make sure this would work well. But I think that's the best implementation of multi-user on a tablet we've ever seen. Yeah. Pretty If cool. you can just touch your fingerprint to it and it's like, this is David's tablet. It's mm-hmm. got all David's apps on it. And then I dock it. And then later on, Andrew comes in because yeah. he's hanging out at my house for some reason. Yeah. And he logs um, into your tablet. It's like, like, the, the, it's like the new spare key. Yeah. It's like you give them I was gonna the, say, access yeah. to uh, yeah, yeah, your yeah. tablet. Exactly. Login. It's yeah. a spare key. It's access <laughs> to your tablet. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be... That would be awesome. Yeah. That way your kids aren't like messing around with your bank account and stuff. They're not buying yeah, apps exactly. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And buying apps on your account. Yeah. So I think that that seems to be working or it, it seems to be the way it's going to work. I don't, well, I don't personally need one because I have a tablet already and I have a Google Home already. <laughs> so obviously I don't need it. But there's going to be a lot of people who don't have either and who can get this and it will be both. And I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's like a dual purpose thing. You lock it. It's. I'm curious how one-to-one feature parity it is with just buying a google home which is like 230 bucks can it be your nest security camera can it probably because the one that's plugged in all the time can but if it's just going to be popping off the dock i don't know if that's going to be a feature probably in hub mode i would guess in hub mode i'm assuming hub mode's gonna have exactly that everything that a nest home hub has i hope so in different i think it's even they were showing also an overhaul of your of Google Home, the new app, which finally. looked really good on tablet mode, like with all the different sliders yeah. and everything. So I think that's going to be fantastic on it. And that's what like that's what I'm so excited about this. Five hundred dollars, I can have my 
my Nest Hub home that has all my home controls in a, like my living room or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then when I travel to the West Coast to make a podcast in a hotel room, I can be an iPad kid on the plane <laughs> and just watch downloaded Netflix anime or movies or whatever I want on there. So like, Play that's all I want this for. Claire is at home with no home controls now. <laughs> Claire, Claire live. <laughs> she has her but, pixel, right? So she can just. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so like that's. 500 bucks i think that's great i hate i kind of want two of them i kind of want one for my kitchen as well where i can pull the tablet off to the side and for bring cooking. it with me if i'm cooking something and i'm like you ain't get two dots difference mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. it'd be kind of ugly one dot two tablets two i don't want what well you're two. saying you want two tablets i want two no. of these but one with dock. doc oh they no. come with docs okay I, I put them one in the kitchen with the dock one in my living room with the dock huh. no. also just the green I have green paint in my living room. This oh, yeah. We should also mention there's three colors. Yeah. There's like a dark green, which is the only one that comes with black bezels. And then there's like a sea foam, which is uh, it's called porcelain. Porcelain, yeah. So, okay. The green one's called hazel, and it's the only one that comes with black bezels. And then there's porcelain, which has white bezels and is sort of like this more porcelain color, I guess. And then there's a rose, which is like slightly pink. It's like the Pixel 3 sand pink in a way. Also has white bezels. So if you're like in a living room, you'll probably want to get the hazel. But I'm assuming that most of these are in people's like kitchens. So you yeah. get any of the other colors. You have a white bezel. Yeah. 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 White bezel is fine in the kitchen. Also, yeah. the case. I don't. Do we know if the case comes with this? Or I don't, think, I it don't think it does. Okay. Well, it's still really sick cool. because the case can fit on the back, match the color. And it has this interesting like metal oval that when you take it off of the the speaker, now you have a kickstand. So if yeah. you want to go on the plane or whatever and kick it up, or if you want to distract your kids at dinner because they're being noisy, you can kick it up on the table. But then it can fold back in and then still snap right onto the home. It like doesn't affect the so cool. At all. I, I really like really that. sweet. It's clever. Yeah. Yeah, the uh the 256 gigabyte is one hundred dollars more. So it's five ninety nine instead of four ninety nine, which is pretty nice. Uh, I'm trying to look for accessories. I don't really know if they're selling. They're not they haven't they showed the accessories, but I don't think they are selling them yet. They'll probably sell them when they a couple when of it comes them are out. live on Google Store. Really? There's I'm looking like the, right now. There's the case, Oh, it's probably the accessories the section. Yeah, it's in the accessories section. Okay. Because I was looking to see if they sold the hub yet, and the hub is coming soon. It says it's not for sale yet. If you want to buy a separate one. A dock. Okay. okay. Yeah, the dock. Yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah. there's still I, Yeah, I do think that a separate I guess if you really like to carry the tablet around with you all day, if you have one oh like my God. by your bed and in the living room, then maybe you would get two of them. But that just feels. I think those are the two, like the, the kitchen, somewhere downstairs, somewhere upstairs, basically, like the bedroom and the kitchen or something. Yeah, if you want to bring them before, I would hate to just leave it without a tablet out there. I think that would look kind of weird. So the official case is eighty dollars. The one with like, the wire. Yeah, that yeah. one's eighty dollars. Eighty dollars, and then there's a spec. Um, made standy shell is what they call it, which is basically like it has a kickstand built in, and that's fifty. That looks it's a totally different color, and it looks, it looks like terrible. it affects the pins. The as well. official case, the cases are the same color as mm-hmm. the body, so it looks exactly the same, basically. Um, and then it has the metal ring. Eighty dollars seems kind of steep. It does seem kind of steep. I will say but the guy in front of me when we were watching the thing, he was like taking notes or whatever, and then he looked up at the end and he looked back at us. And he was like, "There's no keyboard." 
And I was like, no, there's no keyboard. And he was like, oof, ouch. And Did, started writing about how bad that was. But how was are you like, going to... I don't think this is a tablet people are going to put... Yeah, you're not going to carry a separate keyboard with you when it's mostly on the dock. Yeah. That's I, I think this is... The people who put a... A tablet on a keyboard are suddenly like a high performance, like yeah. this is media consumption. Not buying this tablet, this is so media consumption. Yeah. This is entertainment purposes when you're using it in tablet mode. And yeah. they did, to be fair, they also do mention how Google has some of the best voice to text translate. So like, there's not a lot. There is the split screen keyboard, but like most of the time, you're gonna want to put text on this thing. You're just like, gonna use your voice. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. So that guy, you know who you are. <laughs> yeah i love this was this i'm so glad we got to the point it got announced and i still love everything about it yeah. and i cannot wait for one of these Watch this is what suck. <laughs> we will test it we'll see we'll see about this camera it's an 8 megapixel camera on the back has no portrait mode has no high-end features oh, no. it's just like it's a tablet with a camera what are you gonna use it for yeah like like, like occasional video calls whatever shut up it's got a front-facing 8 megapixel camera stop we talking. don't know how good the battery Let me love is. it <laughs> it's leaving. a 60 hertz display i'm sure it's gonna be a fine battery but we still got to test that yeah. so we'll see but i think it's in a pretty good place right now yeah and yeah. we have one more quick thing to talk about we'll okay. make it kind of quick even though we probably could talk for a while which is find my android right yes underrated announcement of yeah, yeah, for the sure. whole thing and i have many questions about i it feel like well. this was the most active we were into slack i know yeah. got announced. <laughs> we started talking about this okay yeah. so so basically they made they started actually with this announcement of if you are being followed by a rogue air tag mm -hmm. it will now notify you on your android phone and that was the thing that was like making headlines before all oh, people are putting air tags in cars and their iPhones are telling them that they're being followed by an AirTag. But hey, if you're stalking somebody with an Android phone, they're not even Yeah, gonna they're not going to know, right? Now it's being built into Android because they can do that. And that's they worked with there. Apple on this, by the way. Thankfully, they had yeah. to. Yeah. And then there was this mention of they're actually on this now, this network of billions of Android phones, which are all contributing to sort of this find my thing now. And low key... That's a way bigger Find My network than iPhones yeah. in a lot of parts of the world. In anywhere but the United States. Everywhere but the, yeah, everywhere <laughs> here. Even, even still, probably the United States. Yeah, even still in the United States, if it's, if it's not bigger, it's still enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's enormous. Uh, so that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We have, a, we have a super useful Find My network of billions of Android phones. Yeah, they've always had, well, not always, but for a very long time, they've had Find My device, which is just like, it's a place you can go on your Google account on the internet where you can ring your phone remotely or you can wipe your phone remotely. Um, but now the fact that every device is sort of contributing to it. So even if it's, I think it's like, even if it doesn't have data, other phones that walk by will kind of like give its location it. and triangulate it is really cool. Um, and they also announced that they're going to be able to implement it into like partner devices. So like, I think they showed off some Sony headphones, so like XM fives or something. And my question is, you have to pay to be on Apple's Find My network. Like the Van Moof bike has Find My, the the, the premium one. Yeah. The cheaper Van Moof bike that they just announced doesn't have it. Right. And I'm assuming that Apple charges a licensing fee to use it. My question is, does Google also charge a licensing fee to put Find My into this? I assume they do. I would assume that, but I don't know. Yeah, and so and it's going to be like so now are all devices going to pay both licensing fees to Apple and Google to be on both? And my other wait, sorry. Well, I was just go. saying, who else is just going to even do the Android one? Because you assume all Android devices are part of this, so then you're just going to assume 
all Samsung products are probably going to have. Like, let's just think earbuds, headphones first, right? That's what you lose a ton of. Yeah. Galaxy Buds are going to have to be right. on this because you lose it. Pixel Buds are going to have to be on this. They don't have to pay a licensing fee. Mm-hmm. Are my Sony Link Buds going to be on it? Because Sony makes Android devices. Are they going to pay for that? Right. But then go a step further. Are Sennheiser right. earbuds going to be hmm. on this? Like, who's going to pay into that? I feel like we just so often, at least in the U.S., think, there's Apple and there's just everything else seems to fall under Android mm-hmm. when it doesn't really, but there are it a lot of does. things. It kind of does, but yeah. at the same time, like I don't know if the like Sen what oh, are the I Sennheiser Air earbuds? Like yeah, like are those gonna be on the Find My network now or are they gonna have to pay extra for that going yeah. into it? Yeah. I'm I'm also also wondering that something I was really hoping for at this IO that they didn't announce is an AirTag competitor sold by Google. Yeah, um, cool. there was a fake one that was distributed uh, with a name that I don't want to say on the podcast <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, with a funny name that was like a fake Google AirTag that um, anyway, I was hoping that they would release one of those. They didn't, Did which Google? feels weird because now that they launched this like enhanced find my system, I would hope that they would have their own AirTag competitor because I've always told people if you're if you have any Apple devices, you don't even need an iPhone. If you have a MacBook an AirTag is the best $30 you will ever spend because it means you will literally never lose the thing you attach it to ever again. And if you do, you will find it. Mm-hmm. And like, it's for that like peace of mind, it is really, really good. And so being able to add this Android find my feature yeah. to any, you know, a, a regular, a camera or something is super worth it. Yeah. Um, Chipolo, which is Tile's biggest competitor, is on Apple's find my. Yeah. Okay. And Tile sued Apple because of the whole like, you oh, can either you join us on, or we'll destroy you yeah, thing that they did. Both. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we did a whole video about this. Yeah, they should make... That might be why does Google Apple not have a new... I don't know why Google isn't releasing a tracker yeah. because uh, it would they would sell like If they sold it for even like $5 less, if they sold it for $25 instead of $30, they'd it's probably coming. sell a ton. It's, coming. it's it got to be coming. coming. I bet you it'll, it'll probably come out in the fall hmm. with the new Google hardware. That would be fire. I hope we get one. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Well... Yeah, that's a that's the in the weeds. We've we've gone through everything. Pretty much, <laughs> we actually went through the entire IO. Um, you just watch this instead of watching the IO recap. This is probably just then as you long. wouldn't see the <laughs> you wouldn't see the bird. Oh, and Bard got dark theme. I wanted. To oh say yeah, that. yeah, true. Biggest applause of the day. Probably. That's true. Can that's I like say yeah. the applause in person is way more annoying than on the live stream. <laughs> I was just staring at people. That's like, why are also. you applauding? No one was applauding. <laughs> It was probably engineers that were sitting in the front that were it was applauding. The birds. It was like, it was that's my birds. product. It was the birds the were applauding. Birds, yeah. yeah. The ferds. Trivia time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> trivia, get out your whiteboards. We brought these all the way from New Jersey to be here with us in sunny California. Even though it wasn't Worth sunny it. this morning, it was freezing. It was, yeah. We were freezing. It was so cold. I was very upset. <laughs> Still sunny. Still sunny. It yeah. was not. It was very cloudy. It's always well, sunny it in San Francisco. Sunny. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, if we had Magic Editor. It could have been something. <laughs> <laughs> Question number one: Google DeepMind has been brought in and out of Google hmm. several times over the past decade, but today at Google I/O, it was announced that Google's parent company Alphabet will be merging DeepMind with what Google subsidiary? You can't hear the music, but I pressed the waiting music, so you got like thirty seconds to write your answer. David has already wrote <laughs> staring at me in my soul. <laughs> Andrew's blacking out. I'm, go- I'm going all in. No, at all. I'm all in, like, baby. 
absolutely no. I mean, they're extremely I just don't, right. You guys always talk about Google subsidiaries, and I just don't know any of them. <laughs> Marquez is writing. Oh wait, or, uh, did you say alphabet subsidiary? Don't let David look. I'm not looking. Okay. Also, why would I change my answer when I'm already correct? Who got him? Okay, flip him and read. Wait, Andrew, you're done. Yeah, I wrote Google. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. I wrote Google Brain. Correct. Uh, I wrote you Google X. Wrong. Yeah. Don't you say Google Brain in the next question? Mm. What? What? No. What was the next question? <laughs> <laughs> next question. Great segue. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Which version of Android was the first one optimized oh, for man. tablets? And I pressed the waiting button. At least I, at least I know I can guess at this one. Yep. Quick update on the score while we're waiting. While we're waiting, Marquez has 14. Andrew has nine. David has 14. Andrew, what's Just going on? Just here to get trivia questions wrong and chew bubblegum. I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys ready? Yeah. yeah. All right, flip them and read. Oh, you're right. I got the number and the name wrong. I got the number right. What'd you say? I said Android 4.0 ice cream sandwich. Wrong. Yeah, but it's wrong. Kurt, <laughs> wrong. Sorry. Uh, and Andrew, Andrew, you... <laughs> How's that? That wrong. works. Well, yeah, it can still be wrong. But... Okay. I wrote honeycomb. Correct. Let's go. Android honeycomb. <laughs> what number was honeycomb? Three. I believe or... it was three. Three. three? Yeah. H-I? Yeah, Let that me, was right before. So ice cream sandwich was four, but yeah, that, that was four point oh. Yeah, it, that was Nexus, Galaxy Nexus. The awkward thing about Honeycomb is it only went on tablets. It wasn't really yeah. tablet optimized. It so only I had went a Zoom. Tablets. It was the, on the Motorola Zoom. It was yeah, on the Zoom. It was like mm -hmm. it was called like Hollow, Hollow UI. Hollow UI was ice cream sandwich, which also launched on Honeycomb at the same time. That's why. I got... Dang, so Dang. close. All right, final score. Marquez with fourteen still. Andrew with Yo, dude, stop laughing. I'll come over there. <laughs> David in the lead with 15. Oh. My Iceland mess ups have nothing on this. Let's go. Well played. Well done. Thank well you. done, David. Thank we've, you. Um, we've ran out of time. I'm sure this is just as long as Akino at this point. But I'm so hungry. We have to get in and out. Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely go going to Let's wrap this up and go to in and out. Yeah. Uh, any last words on anything we should talk about? I think I should get another trivia point for getting the stand question correct. I'm going to veto that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Cool. Sorry. That's All on the same page That's there. fair. <laughs> if you were in dead last, I'd think about it. <laughs> yes, okay. But that's a no for me. All right. <laughs> you know what? We'll give a point to Andrew just, in, just for that. <laughs> I want to give a point to Brandon because he's helping us shoot this episode. Thanks, yeah. bro. Oh, this is the first. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to play. Aperture? All right, here. Oh, Who no, am I saying this to? Oh. Waveform is produced by Adam Alina, Ellis Robin, and Brandon Havard on Ooh. camera today. We're partnered with Vox Media Podcast Network and our intro outro music was created by Vane Silva.